1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm half hope double H half hop half of the Hope. Hello everyone. <laughs> Carl's back. You guys got anything coming up this
0: week? No, no, nothing this week. Nothing I know so far that I can reveal.
1: Ooh, secrets. Okay. Uh you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Daniel Taluk, Carls at Anchorman 616, Half hop to Half hope fight. If anything comes up, you'll be a you'll be abreast of those of those movements. You know, let's let's just get into this week, man. You guys wanted to start with Watford. <laughs> <laughs> they are four for four, uh twelve points. I believe they're third in the Premier League right now. Let's talk.
0: This is good. This is good Watford. I think it's the first time in their history where they've won four Premier League games on the spin. Uh well they've where they've won their first four opening games in the, in Premier League history. This is really good from what they're doing, what they're building this season. So the last Watford manager to managed 100 games at the club was Andy Boothroyd um would you like to guess how long ago that was
1: I've never heard that name in my life so this is my time to embarrass myself um 19
0: no it's not that bad uh since 2008 so in a, <laughs> it, it's 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 not that bad but it, it's been a decade since the manager's been there for more than 100 games which shows basically to how much of a Non-place, or how much of a passing destination Watford Football Club has been for so long, and yeah, you know, I've spoken on this podcast frequently about how Watford are a team that a big six side will rock up to and beat three 0 and they're they're part of the the mini bottom twelve league in the Premier League, but they seem to have turned stuff around. Well, I don't want to say turned stuff around because even when they were bad, they weren't relegation bad. I was listening to a podcast earlier today. And since they've been promoted, so since they've been in in the Premier League in this most recent spell, since Kiko Flores was their manager, they haven't spent a week in the relegation zone, hmm. which shows to their 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 offensive and their inoffensiveness. But what was really interesting about them this season is um, all the players they bought in the summer are under the age of twenty four, Ines Kapuue and Decore, They've got a very two very good centre midfielders, and they're playing two up top, which I think Half Hope appreciates.
2: Oh no, for, no, no! Look, I mean, no, that's that is. Watford are not gonna to come top four. That's not gonna happen. Um remember Aston Villa, I think Aston Villa were top until I think November or December, way, way, way back. I can't remember which season it was, but it was the scene where Villa were top until like Christmas. And then they then finished like I think seventh or eighth or something. But look, man, I think for Watford they should just aim to be like, let's just aim for seventh or eighth. That
1: should be the aim. Let's aim for seventh or eighth. But when the losses come that's when they'll have to react. So, you know, someone someone asked us a question. It says, which top six team in the Premier League is most likely to have a mid-season collapse? That's the first part. And then the second part is, how long do you think Watford can hang in with the big boys until gravity yanks them back down to earth? Does it continue after the international break or do we think this can last until maybe October November?
0: I think that Xavi you know, Gracia, I always get his name wrong, is a good manager. They've got a, very, they've got a particularly strong starting eleven. Holobas, their left back, has got four assists so far this season as well so he's he's at the top of the assist league with Benjamin Mendy the fact they play two up top means there will be a robust threat and I think they'll be pretty good at home at Vicarage Road there's no reason why they shouldn't aim to be the Burnley of this season
1: isn't isn't that the gift and the curse though if you look at Burnley and how Burnley have started to get that Europa League as half hope said that seventh eighth spot depending on what happens in League Cup and FA Cup and all that stuff it's probably going to be a Europa League spot
0: is not it a gift and a curse yeah, if you want to go straight into Burnley, uh, Burnley were at Turf Moor on Sunday, lost two 0 to Manchester United, and they were very bad. Uh, and that's, that, that, I, I don't wanna, it, While it's all well and good that yeah United are back and they they won a game and it looked and Luke Shaw's doing well, Burnley were particularly poor, and they only really started playing at the 60th minute. But you know that was that's their ninth game so far this season they got knocked out of the Europa League this week. uh, And so they haven't made this new group stages. Everyone talks about the Europa League Thursday, Sunday. Oh, it's such a chore, blah, blah, blah. I think it's, it is also, if you are a team not used to European football and your personnel aren't used to to playing two games a week, it can be such a culture shock. So Mm -hmm. Arsenal in the Europa League is not a big deal because Arsenal have 35, 40 players on their books. They can promote some academy players up and they can, Go off and do this, and yeah, maybe your average players come up through Arsenal would have experience of traveling around Europe. They plan so, you know, for it, and yeah, that's
1: like it's ingrained in clubs like that, like Chelsea, Arsenal, just basically the whole top six. Like, we expect to be in four competitions every season. If you get shocked and you have a great season like Burnley, what happens the next year when you're not used to planning for that fourth competition?
0: Yeah, uh, if you know, a came through the ranks of Arsenal. Playing a game against Sheffield Wednesday and a week later he was up against Bayern Munich. He's, he was 17 at the time. That's his experience. Andre Gray, who is now at Watford but previously of Burnley, hasn't played Thursday Sunday outside of the Championship. The Championship is a slog, but it's not quite the same slog as in flying all the way to Azerbaijan, then coming back for the Thursday in that game. I don't particularly like it when football players go. The Europa League is the problem because I think you should appreciate every single moment you're you're playing football in, but. You look at Burnley right now; they were bad, and the most obvious reason was um, the fact they're in the Europa League, and therefore have less time to prep their, you know, unique style of football. Before we leave the Watford point, I did want to
1: bring up, just related to Spurs in that way, that Hyungmin Son got his uh, military exemption. Free at last! Free at last! <laughs> free at last! I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie, and I, like I'm keeping up with the Asian Games of 2018, so. But I did see that this development happens. I know someone asked a question, Carl, so maybe you can get into it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but you can go for it.
0: Let's that's, that's really break down. So South Korea defeated Japan 2-1 in extra time in the final of the Asian Games. That means Son is now exempt from mi- military service. But he, he looked really happy and, and fair play. Military service or no, it's kind of annoying to have to put your life the life you built on hold for two years because you have to go do duty somewhere else be it military be it whatever that is not necessarily what you want to do or what you want to build your life to
2: do it's it's a raw deal man that that would have been a very very raw deal
1: how do you guys feel about like compulsory military service if england or nigeria or canada uganda asked either of us like you have to serve in the military do you think it'd be so ingrained
2: i mean like uh, nigeria have something Similar, but it's not compulsory. So what we have is is, is, is it's called a Youth Corps. But the thing with with Youth Corps is, if you want to work in Nigeria, you need to do Youth Corps. But if you don't live in Nigeria and you don't really and you don't want to do work within Nigeria, then you don't need to do Youth Corps. So it is not fully compulsory, but something. But I think I'm sort of on the fence. I think there are two sides. I don't think that you should force everyone to do something that I think that's very nationalistic. And again, you could probably bring the whole. Malema, South Africa thing of like, why do we have borders? Why do we have countries? That's such a bull crap thing that was instilled, but that's to one side. But I do think that discipline is key. And the reason why the the youth are so messed up is that they have no discipline. And I, I was speaking to an army guy when I went to a club on the weekend, and we just talked about his experiences being in the army. And like, so many people are a different person before they go to the army. When they're in the army or in an army environment, you are changed. So I think for young people, it's a very good thing to Go into a place where you are forced to really have regimented discipline. Your taught values. You're really taught to build up your character, and then it just probably builds you. To, it just it just gives you some better ground rather than guys just laying away with their mobile phones and everything like that. You know, mm, I, 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 <laughs> you sound like a crutchy grandpa. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> trust me, the the youth I've seen need some damn military service. Trust me. <laughs>
1: And I, I was just thinking, like, we, I, from a context where you don't have to go into the military, Son being forced to play in the military seems like, oh, they're doing him wrong. But if you grow up in a culture that you already know from young that you're going to have to do this, I wonder if it's really that big of a deal to him. It might
0: not be. But yeah, I, I think, I, well, Son looked, Son looked happy either way. And I think that's, one, he's just won a gold medal. medal so obviously you're going to be happy. Korea. And two, he gets to go back and enjoy the life he's, in, he's enjoying in London. So, why not? Um, I will also like to give a shout out to Jake Warren, who I spoke to last week. Jake Warren is a sports journalist who has done a number of documentaries in North Korea and oh, basically told me about his experience of watching sports games in North Korea and corrected me on my research about how the North Korean World Cup squad of 2010 has disappeared. They're not, they're basically heroes. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm happy to
1: hear it, I'm happy uh, to hear it. Like, so
0: uh, his explanation was basically if, if you're in North Korea and so North Korea has a permanent Olympic village so there is, there is just a, a, a village of, of a superb sporting facilities and any child that shows aptitude in a sport will essentially be taken from where they are and made to live in this Olympic village and train at their sport until they basically win something for North Korea. This is where they live in perpetuity training on their sport. Uh, but when they do win, not only do they win access to the party, but they also win access to the party for their entire family, which is why you very often see so many North Korean professional athletes in tears when they win. Because not only are they basically going, oh my God, I've just brought great pride onto my country. They're also going, I pretty much won a lottery ticket for myself and my entire family as well. You spoke to me about uh, the incredible sports stadiums they have, some of them with capacities of over 100,000, perhaps double that sometimes and how uh ticking works. So it's less I support the sports team, so I'm going to buy a ticket and watch the ping pong, but more I live in this region, this district, so I will be made to sit in the stadium there. So there you are. There's a quick little crash course in what they're doing on North Korean sport. First game of the week was Leicester, Liverpool.
1: You know, Liverpool, they ground that one out.
0: Um something that particularly stood out in the Liverpool game was the fact that um Jordan Henderson was returning to the starting lineup. So what happened in the Liverpool game, why they looked oh, Liverpool won ugly. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Henderson came back to the lineup and was moved into the six. That moved James Milner out and Gigi Wan Adam out. So Gigi Wan Adam isn't the number eight that Nabi Keita is. James Milner, while a capable, competent centre midfielder, isn't best suited to playing on the left. Once Nabi Keita came into the side again and played as the eight, Liverpool look comfortable and assured. Really interesting to see what happens when Fabinho comes back. Because again, not in a match they scored for Liverpool. That's that's four games now. Uh you, you imagine he should come back. He should make it to the Liverpool starting eleven after the international break. But we'll see. Just as we're recording this podcast, it's it's become known that Jordan Henderson's about to sign a new long-term contract. So I don't know who goes where. Because if Henderson's staying for a while and GG1 Alden's not, you know, seems to be doing well, then who goes where? The Allison era. Yeah, you know, it was a bit silly. I think you saw Jurgen Klopp's reaction afterwards, but Jurgen Klopp was basically going, you need to play that ball forward. Like in those situations, you need to do that. Says that he will probably get, he probably got a telling off behind closed doors. But also Jurgen Klopp said in the press conference afterwards that he's glad Alisson made this mistake now at this part of the season. So he basically, you know, I think this will be Alisson going, oh wait, the Premier League is different from Serie A. Teams in the Premier League will press me more aggressively and earlier and with a type of a uh, consistent authority that, that didn't happen in Serie A and therefore he probably won't make that mistake again in, in the Premier League. Could I, let me just start with this.
2: How many times has the keeper passed to the nearest defender the team have kept the ball without giving the ball away all the way till they've scored a goal? Obviously I get it is that it's a philosophy you want to inbreed into your team that you want to have this possession superiority over your position so my keeper don't hit it long we want to keep possession of the ball and i i want to keep this whole possession mindset from the keeper all the way up to the striker i get that but my thing is this is that very few keepers are adept at doing this the only keepers i know that who are adept at doing this where you can give it to them at any position and they can keep the ball and they're good with their feet are terstegen edison and Neuer. if if you're not Adept at keeping its attributes as in truly adept, just hit the ball long.
1: I think Allison can play like that. I think we've seen him do it for mm. Brazil, for Roma, and in the first few games already at Liverpool. Like he seems adept with the ball at his feet, but you don't have to keep the ball in dangerous situations all the time. Like there are some situations that call for kicking it into the stands or just kicking it down the field. Like, you don't have to be wedded to the system this hard. No, no,
2: no, no. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I just think that, like, look, man, it's like, even Klopp, you could even see him gesturing, like, after they happened, Klopp was like, man, hit it long. He was in a situation where either hit the ball out or hit it long. But sometimes a lot of these keepers just get it into their minds, that like, you know what, I'm pretty good with my face, but I know like, you're a flipping goal Only very few keepers could be good outfield players. i.e. Neuer, Batters, Higita, other keepers. I think of who could actually be decent outfield players. For but for 99% of goalkeepers, eh, you ain't making it nowhere as an outfield player on on a high level. To be
1: honest, the last time we saw Noya try to be an outfield player, it didn't go well, did it? No, 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 no. Look, <laughs> <laughs>
2: it was, oh, was no, no, it was, was a messed up
1: situation, and probably that's why he's the goat. So why? Because
2: he was playing left back. So, well,
0: right. so here's an interesting thing. You know, in, in the same way that we. I see. Here's something that I get quite often when people say so and so player is the best. And like, are you sure? Because I don't watch Bayern Munich week in week out. I only ever see these guys in the Champions League. And like, am I am I sure that this guy's still the best goalkeeper in the world? Like, there was a very for a very very long time, I thought Michael was the best right back in the world, and then Gareth Bale had him on toast. And I went, he's not. I just assumed he had, but based on FIFA and and the two or three weeks I see him in Champions in the Champions League, are we still sure Manuel Manono is the best goalkeeper in the world? He is, he is, he is, he is. He still is, he still is. I can't, um, I actually, I, I, I
2: can't answer that question. I can't answer that question. I'm going to go based on form because he's been injured for like a whole season, um, it's yeah. it's probably it's probably Ter Stegen. Hmm. I'd probably say Ter Stegen is probably right now the best keeper in the world based on form. But if I just say based on overall, if everybody's fit and if Noya is fully fit and has games, Noya is still that dude. Like Noir is will still make a crazy save and he's still the best sweeper keeper as well. And I have more faith and more security in Noya and goal than I do with Terry although Stegen is sneaking up. So I think Stegen could probably be the number two right now. I mean the whole De Gea thing is all hype. That's that's just complete hype. Like he's he's not top two nowhere.
0: Oh I, uh, I think De Gea has has been top two, but I think that this year, I think that this year, as in calendar year 2018, he's regressed to the meat There was the stat before the Burnley game that of the Something like 19 shots on target. He's faced ten of them have gone in since the World Cup. De Geo, so De Gea has faced 19 shots on on his goal, um, like unblocked shots, but like you know, shots on target on his goal since the beginning of the World Cup. And of those 19 shots, ten of them went in. Wow. De Gea is having a particularly bad spell of form, which is fine because he had, he's you know had the best season of his life last year against Mourinho. Basically, it was it was a statistical anomaly how many goals Manchester United were conceding based on how many shots they were facing you know we, we look at defensive systems and how like burnley stopped goals from going in by blocking your shots and doing that mm-hmm. weird system manchester city defend by basically cutting you off at of the source so before you can even prepare something they'll cut you off liverpool system is slightly similar but that also relies a lot on their center backs to beat you on the one on ones united system last season was non existent like it was one of the worst organized defenses you've seen in a top team in the premier league in the Premier League history, the system was entirely De Gea will figure that out and save everything, <laughs> uh, and which,
1: which is which is an unsustainable plan. Yeah. and
0: it worked. It like for a long time it worked, and you know f- this can work if you have a great goalkeeper for a long time. That was Real Madrid's plan. Just screw it. We'll just let Casillas figure that out. But you know this season is not working. There there was a point of time in recent history from 2016 up until now when you're listening, I'd say there was at least a three to six month spell with David A was the best goalkeeper in the world.
1: Probably. Um so just, just quickly, like you weren't here last week, so I guess we can talk a little bit about Mourinho.
0: I've been saying this stuff about Mourinho for a while. I think he's done at the top level. I think I think he's done at the to top level. But also I think the best way to describe it is a bit like old man Rooney. Cause even when Wayne Rooney was his powers were on the way and he was no longer a top ten striker in the Premier League. Every now and again, he'd have a game where you could see the magic and you could see he had two or three tricks that could absolutely bamboozle the defender. You could still whip in a good free kick. You could still drag a left back out of position, et cetera, et cetera. I think something that really stuck out after the Spurs defeat was how good Mourinho was at making the narrative about himself so once again, we're talking about Marina. We're not talking about, is Victor Lindelof a good centre-back? We're not talking about, what on earth is going on in the right-back position? We're not talking about, is Fred any good? Like, is Fred good? I don't know. No, like, <laughs> like, we're, not talk- we're not talking about, how has, how has Pereira gone from being a proposed midfield shield for Manchester United to not making a matchday squad? These are things we're not talking about. What we are talking about is, respect, respect. Three titles. Respect, man. Respect. Respect. Iconic, man. <laughs> Iconic, man. And that's, that's, that's Mourinho's strength. This is the thing about Mourinho. When Mourinho was good, problem and the curse about Mourinho is that, you know, in his first vote at Chelsea, at the start of his time at Real Madrid, Mourinho would do all these things to deflect stuff away from his players, and his players would repay him by playing good football. Except what seems to be going on now is Mourinho would do these things not to protect his players, but to protect himself. Mm. The way I described it was first season Mourinho was me and my players against the world. Second season Mourinho is me and my special 15 against the world. And the third season Mourinho is just me against everyone. This week, you know, the Spurs defeat and the Burnley victory, I'd say they're somewhere in between me and my special 15 and me and just me against the world. He's saying some lovely things about Luke Shaw. Uh, Nemanja Matic has basically said to the press that Mourinho is only doing this to protect us and it's working Just look at you. You're just talking about him. So Matic knows what's going on. Matic obviously has personal experience in another Mourinho meltdown with the Chelsea <laughs> spell. You know, Mourinho, I don't think Mourinho is is good enough to win a Premier League. What? But I don't think he's a Premier League winning manager anymore. Have hope. Where are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the
2: this to happen. And then then, I'll then 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 respond As I've always said, the whole United thing, it comes down to this. It's a bad fit. Give Mourinho his kind of team and players, he will win the Premier League. Can Guardiola win a league without players who are adept at keeping the ball really well? Can Guardiola win with a team who are physical and very defensive and who are not really technically good with kicking the ball? Can Klopp win with a team who don't really like to run and who are very fit and very di- direct? I don't think they can. Every manager has their, their kind of people. And I was talking to Terry from... um UF yeah, because he's like a United fan and everything. And he was saying to me that, again, people that he knows and everything that um, Mourinho didn't want to buy Pogba or Lukaku. Pogba was a marketing ploy. And he didn't actually want to buy Lukaku. And remember, Morata was the prime target that he wanted to, to buy. And also, he has said that Mourinho hasn't been backed by the board, the board aren't backing M- Mourinho. And the targets he wanted in the summer that he, he didn't get. Smalling is trash. Lindelof is trash. Ashley Young is trash. Luke Shaw is average. Fred is trash. Matic, here yeah, yeah, he Sanchez is now trash lukaku's trash, right. so it's think, like so what you're, you're dealing with like is...
1: six, seven bricks. In
2: your team. I, I, I don't know how you're supposed to do anything with with that many bricks in your team. So,
0: so. so here's the interesting thing about that the list of players you brought, you've mentioned. You've gone Lindelof is trash, uh, and I I honestly cannot. I have no idea about Lindelof, but Lindelof was a Mourinho buy. Mourinho wanted him. Mourinho leaked. To Duncan Castles, he's preferred journalist. Lindelof was his number one defensive target
2: because of Lindelof's supposed mm. quality. Yeah, defense. and and he okay, Lenin Lindelof hundred percent so, he flopped there. So
0: and 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 sim- and similarly, like Mourinho has been vocal in the leaks or whatever with how like how much he wanted to get Alexis Sanchez once he figured out Alexis Sanchez was available, despite the fact that Alexis Sanchez prefers playing on the left and that would have curbed the performance of, <laughs> of Antti Martial and of Marcus Rashford. Like Mourinho, yes, you can say to, Mourinho has not been fully backed in the in the uh, transfer windows by Manchester United. I'd say Edward Wood has actively compromised Mourinho's performances by not giving him the 75 million or however million for Harry Maguire and uh, Toby Navarro. But at the same time, this is the thing that people keep bring up when they go, yeah, but Klopp couldn't do this and Pep Guardiola wouldn't do this. You also have to point out, look at the players, Klopp, and Pep Guardiola have actively improved, right? And the one I always bring up is, look at what Pep Guardiola did to Fabian Delft. So Pep's system pretty much relies on his fullbacks to be really, really good, aggressive, getting past the ball and whipping in those low crosses. And then Benjamin Mendy does his ACL. Rather than completely half and moan and, and shout and scream and go out and buy another really, really expensive left back last season, Pep turned Delft into a, a passable left back, right? When Klopp is having his problems with, oh my God, Moreno's not doing this. This isn't going to happen. He bought Andy Robson for 8 million and he's turned Andy Robson into the now Scotland captain. Like Both of these managers, all of the managers in the top six, well, I'd say, it's not really a top six in sort It's like a top five plus Arsenal, isn't it? That's have have <laughs> I said it. And if Arsenal fans want to come get me, come get <clears> me. <throat> The, the other managers in the in the top five, six mini-league have, have all actively improved players. Whereas well, you look at Manchester United, what players can you say Mourinho has actively improved? One of them is Jesse Lingard, who, if you talk to anyone at Manchester United, is basically on target. Ferguson said Lingard will come good at 25 because his limbs will figure out where they're meant to be. And lo and behold, Lingard's 25 now and he's kicked on a bit. And the other one is Ashley Young. I wouldn't say Ashley Young's improved, he's just regressed into a left-back position and he's paying attention to instructions. <laughs> you know right um, like, th- this is this is why there was a ed, ed woodward out plane flown over turf Moor. there's been chronic mismanagement at the higher levels of manchester united yeah and what they're doing now to fix it is i uh, you know the director of football hopefully will come on in and offer some stability to manchester united's a hiring and f- recruitment policy on players and we'll see there but also you know last week it became apparent that Manchester United will offer a five-year contract extension to Anthony Martial, which I love Martial. I'm a card-carrying member of Martial FC. If you're Anthony Martial and you know your manager wants to get rid of you and trade you for William, and then <laughs> your manager's boss has gone, don't worry about him, here's a five-year contract, and pay rise, are you really going to kick on? Yeah, look, I'm always happy for when black players get their back and get their money, but... If you're basically going, I'm waiting for this guy to get fired. That doesn't suggest to me you're going to be playing great football this season, is it? Mm, true.
1: Talk to me about Hazard, man. Look, man, I praise, praise Hazard because I have a question about Hazard, but I need you to praise him first. So go for it.
0: Oh, okay.
2: No, no, for me, Hazard is the best player in the Premier League, and I think
1: clearly a setup. But go ahead.
2: Is <laughs> I like, you know he's 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 the best player in the in the Premier League, and I think I don't know what more he has to do to prove that he's the best player in the Premier League. Like I don't know any other player that is that effective every time he touches the ball because I think I was I remember I think it was um who were they who were they playing again they were playing um Bournemouth like there was a time when I can't say I think four players who were all on Hazard because they, they knew that one isn't enough two isn't enough three maybe you know what let's just go with four so it's like <laughs> when you have that many players who have to watch you that just shows you how dangerous is. and I think something happened in the world where I think Hazard has now gone to that next level since the Walker, like after what he did at the Walker, because let's just be real, Hazard balled in that France game. You know? Oh, unreal. Like they may have Incredible. lost that game, but he was extremely good. Like he had Pavard on toast in, in the losing team. Yeah. I just think that if Chelsea just need another truly superstar, big time player. Then they can do something. I think Hazard still has to do too much because you've got a total break in Morato who is done, he's finished. <laughs> Giro is just there to facilitate. He's not there to score goals. He's there to facilitate. So you have a striker who's there to facilitate. William is. Eh. Pedro has not been relevant since like 1962. So it's like
1: you know your your. I mean it's 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 only so much one man can can do. So, okay. My my question is: At what point did you become a Hazardista man? Like there now there there was a point in time where Hazard was oh, like worse than De Bruyne. Really where like where he was like worse than Alexis Sanchez. Like, there, we have tapes Man, like people, they, that people go back to it wait, wait, wait.
2: 2017. Where do you get these receipts from? People keep keep these receipts. Just look, guys, tear your, your receipts up, okay? Live in the present and the future. <laughs> yes, I said that Sanchez was better than Hazard. Relax, okay? People can change, all right? Okay?
1: <laughs> Sanchez is, is a brick dude, now. I'm just Sanchez like, would... oh, I'm, just, I'm trying to figure out when exactly this happened. Because oh, you've, um, you've been a Hazardista for the past, like, three, four months now. Oh, no,
2: no, 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 for me, like, towards the end of last season, I was like, okay, I'm seeing a difference hazard here. Yes, Chelsea been crap, but I'm seeing a difference hazard here. And I think I respected him for what he was doing in a crap situation under Conte. Mm. And then for Belgium, I was like, okay, no, this guy is, is different. Like, and this, it, it was that game against France. That game against France, when he was on the losing team and what he was doing as an individual, where he was making three French players, he trip over each other. I was like, nah, no, nah, nah, this guy has crossed <laughs> over. I think like, Don yeah. Moses, like, he's done Moses. He's led them past the passing of, of the Red Sea. So, yeah. <laughs> the
0: <laughs> the, uh, the, the standout game for me was basically what he did in the Brazil game for, oh. uh, in the quarterfinal. I think mm-hmm. what really stood out for me was uh, basically you had Brazil with Neymar, who wasn't particularly doing much, and you had Hazard just absolutely destroying that team. So, and the, one of the things about Hazard that everyone says about football is basically he's maybe their best player in one-on-ones, at least at least what well, he's the best one in the Premier League, and he's one of the players that even if he's not necessarily scoring or getting the assist, just him with the ball at his feet running at you opens up so many potential avenues for everyone else. Well, I, but- I don't I don't want to call it sorry ball yet because you know he said it'd take three months for it for it to fully click. And I think this is only a watered down version. But there it's very, very appealing to watch. Giroud is going to enjoy it a lot. Because, you know, Giroud, there's
1: only there's only it can only be so good when you have Giroud and Morata as your strikers man
0: <laughs> like, so this is the thing this is the thing that i think goes i mean Morata is uh is very much a wait and see the thing about Giroud is slightly different because Giroud loves this stuff Giroud loves one twos he loves this one twos linking up with fast plays. he did it loads at arsenal with Walcott and Sanchez and you saw what he did with Pedro in like in that game uh, this, this is his, this is what he likes doing. He likes bringing players to, to work as the pivot. So, Drew may be the potential starting striker in a very interesting thing.
1: He I hasn't got... scored in almost 20 games. It it's a- but, match, but, match, but, match, but he's match. still probably the better option than Morata. Yeah,
0: which which, did, which, I, which
1: did, says, I, says like, a lot about Morata.
0: It does. And also says a lot about what this system necessarily needs, right? If... If Giroud can get you 15, 20, goal, 20 goals in the league, which he has yeah. done previously, which is possible, let's say it's possible, he does that, he brings Hazard in to get 15, you get Pedro on 10, Willian gets 10, that's top four, which is what you're aiming for this season, is it not? Then mm-hmm. you fair enough.
1: Yeah, it's just like there's, there's a ceiling on I think how good a team can be if your striker isn't the oh, primary yeah. goal scorer. It's not perfect, um, and I think um, and and also like as as much praise as you guys want to heap on Hazard, he's not a natural goal scorer in the way that a lot of forwards are. I because whenever people because the people always
2: use that to sort of like you know as a critique of Hazard that oh he doesn't score enough goals or assists, but what he does leads to goals. He what he does leads to situations that end up in you creating chances or creating goals. For me it is more important what Hazard does in how he makes up ground, how he breaks the lines, how he always tries to make the riskier pass, the riskier move, where he actually beats beats players and does much, pulls off much more difficult situations in tight, harder, difficult scenarios than a guy that just passes a ball to do and then he then scores. So what Hazard does creates the platform for people to score that goal and, and get that assist. And I, I sorry, you can't use these stats to... Talk about football man it's a mixture of stats to one point but also full football watch the flipping game and watch guys
1: what guys are, are, are doing in the game so mm. uh someone uh the only taps as um thoughts on Conte's role uh or his more attacking role should sorry maybe deploy him at left center mid to help mask the left side of chelsea that often gets exposed when alonso bumps forward rather than right center mid where he is now on the aspie side um i remember maybe like before the season started I put out the 11 that I wanted, and I had Arida Bagalaga, if I'm pronouncing that right, I'm sorry, Kepa. I had Kepa in goal. I had Asby on the right. I think I had Rudiger and Christensen in center as my central defenders. Emerson on the left, Jorginho, Kante, and Kovacic, and then I had Bashoi up top. Obviously, he went to Valencia like three days later, and then William and Hazard, right? And I had Kante on the left side, and I remember people got on me like, no, nah, Kovacic is going to play on that side. Kovacic is going to play on that side. Like, Conte needs to be on the other side. And my thinking is, to this guy's point, it makes more sense for me to have more balance in that way, to put Kovacic on the right side where there's kind of less attacking quality. And if you know you're going to have Hazard and Alonso just kind of raiding that, that left wing, why not put Kante there as kind of a plug just in case something goes wrong, you lose the ball, what have you? So in my eyes, it would be more balanced that way. But I think Sarri intentionally wants it unbalanced. I think he wants most of his attacking players on one side of the pitch, or at least his best ones on that side. And then he moves kind of Azpilicueta into almost not quite a fullback, not quite a center back. It's kind of somewhere in between. And that kind of holds the right side of the pitch down just in case uh, possessions lost Then you have three players who are always back. So I think that's done intentionally. So like it's unbalanced on purpose. So I think that might be Sarri's philosophy there, but I'd have to watch it a few more games in order to actually know. Like when you're playing a back four, people don't want to listen.
2: When you're playing a back four, your two central defenders have got to be high IQ. If you're playing a back three, one defender can't afford to be flamboyant, whilst the two are much more defensive. But if you're playing a flat back four, those two have to be a high, high IQ defensively, and as Azpilicueta is wasted on the right. Your best defender in a four has got to be one of the two central defenders. It's crazy for your best defender to be playing out wide right.
1: That, that, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's that's half hope's opinion. Um, the question was more, what do we think about Kante's more attacking role? Are you guys kind of impressed? Well, I'm sure you are. At just how Kante has morphed from DM to central midfielder. Now he's like almost an attacking Midfielder, like, can't, what can't this guy do? He'll, boy, he'll, can't do anything. he'll be a goalkeeper. <laughs> he'll be he a will. goal next. He'll be strike. Actually, I guess the progression would be he'll be a striker. Maru- uh, Marut, Marut, <laughs> Giroud, and Morata can't score. So I guess it's gonna be Kante next. Like, Seriously, I mean, if Kante can't do
2: with more more goals than Morata this
1: season, Morata needs to check into rehab. <laughs> <laughs> they're so. they're level. I think they both have one goal. Like. Oh, sugar. Yeah, Marata has one and four. Not that great. Although, like, don't talk to me about Why yet. But he hasn't started a game. He hasn't started a game for Valencia. So, it is what it is. Um, Let me get rid of this one Chelsea one. And uh, with Hazard, I'd like you to resign with Chelsea. Where would you have preferred to see him move three years ago? Madrid, Barcelona, or Bayern? P.S. And this is why I'm asking this. Did DT officially decline the bet with Have Hope? He hasn't officially done it, but I think unofficially
2: because I not head back from him. So... I think he, he he's run away. So
1: I thought this was me for a second. I was like, did DT officially decline? I was like, I didn't have a bet with him. For, but <laughs> then it's like DT from Arsenal fan TV. Uh, so speaking of Arsenal fan TV, by the way, I'd have liked to see Hazard go to probably Bayern. I think that would have been cool. Well, no, a...
0: They already have Hamas though. So.
1: Yeah, but he could like take over from Ribery.
0: I don't know. Hazard's one of those players where I don't want him to leave because I like seeing him every single week. You, did, you, you you can't buy a Bundesliga package? Apparently not. Thank you very much, 11 Sports. <laughs> oh, what's, what's going on? Has, has, no, has, it's, has, still has, not, it's still not been resolved. So, yeah, look, I can get it on Facebook if I want to do it, but it's not happening. So I want to be able to watch the football and be on my laptop at the same time rather than be on my laptop. So, did, actually, just, just for clarity, Half Hope, what, what, uh, what was the bet with
2: DT? Oh, that's um, he said that Arsenal would finish above Chelsea this season.
0: That's not happening, is it? it oh no, no!
2: But, but, but see, this was done like so. Basically, when we did the, the show, this was done before the season started, and I was like, "Oh, okay, let me just think." Then, before the first game, I said, "You know what, effort." Then I then made the 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 video before the first game this season. Say, you know what? I'll go out on 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 a limb, and also it's for it's for charity. So you give the fifty pounds to a charity that we both decide upon. So hey, no, oh, it's okay. just for charity. Okay, let's let's do it. So. And um, I gave it to um, Robbie and Robbie said, yeah, I'm just going to wait for DT to do it. And DT just never did it. I mean, look, DT is very, look, he's a, a very busy man, Should I, I say.
1: Interesting. But yeah, um, they won, to be fair to them. Uh, Lacazette got his goal, in, I think, 81, 82.
0: It's been, Knits. it was It was a chaotic game. And wow, Arsenal going to be a lot of fun to watch. And they're going to have a lot of high scoring 4-2 games. Uh, but they're, they're very good going forward. Two strikers, maybe. They're very good going forward. They're they really, did it. They're really bad defending. Like, really bad.
1: <laughs> yes, Scott.
0: Like, well, <laughs> uh, it's not... And yeah, Look, yeah, it's early on in the season. It's a new manager. They're, they're trying out a new system. But, like, one, Petr is not a ball-playing goalkeeper. So, you should... Like, I don't know why you spend all this money on Leno, who, is a, who can use his feet and you're not playing him immediately. So, he needs to be in the side. Granit Xhaka cannot defend. He's not a good defensive midfielder. He's not a good pivot. He offers a lot going forward, but that's not good enough, frankly. Like it's way, in my opinion, is way better to take the hit on what he offers going forward and get yourself a proper defender. Which is why you should. This is why you bought uh, Torreira. So you'd be playing Torreira instead of him. Monreal is, is strangely still their best defender, left back, and striker. No, that's mean. Best defense. No, I shouldn't. You've say
1: already, that. you've already said it's a top five now, a top six. So you might as well yeah. just go all the way. In, man. The, go two
0: footed. Yeah. Go two footed. Yeah. And they've got too many number tens, and the number their number one number ten isn't compatible with a high pressing system. So what are you going to do? Right? It, it's it's they're going to be they're going to be so much fun to watch. Like, I before the season started, I had my, I had a look at the top twenty teams in Europe and basically just looked at their squads because you know I don't I don't know who's on Dortmund squad until the FIFA game comes out most weeks but I looked at Arsenal's and I went my god that is a lot of attacking power but but if, you know one of the big things is you've got Obermania, you've got Ober, you've got Lacazette and you've got Meza Ozil as your front three in your ideal system and you want to play pressing that's not going to work because one of them's not going to press you leave a massive dog leg and then behind them, Granny Jacob isn't the most mobile guy. And there's another double kick there. And then your two center backs, you've got Sokratis and Mustafi, who aren't particularly fast. There's holes, holes all over the place. You win every game 4-2 four, four because that's the best way they're going to have. That's the best chance they have of winning games.
1: Not not not
0: 3-1? Those don't exist, remember?
1: <laughs> half you you had them as top four. Like I think you had them as your fourth team.
2: You know, I mean, look, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not looking good, but yeah, I'll I'll stick with it. <laughs> I'll stick with. I mean, because no, that's the defense is a shambles. Like Belarine is is a, is a disgrace. Mustafi is a disgrace. But I'll stick with it. Fourth, 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 fourth. Okay. Mustafi's
0: Mustafi's fall from grace is a really bizarre one because when he came to Arsenal, he seemed so assured and he seemed to be the fix. And then you know we've spoken about this before about how you just get the Arsenal. Who was the left back they bought last season? Kolasinac. What? Where's he? Where's he gone? He might yeah. be injured. I think the tank, right? The tank guy. I don't know what happened to him. I, he's disappeared. Is he long, where is he? He's injured. He's injured. Lengthy injury absence. Mm. I'll, I'll be. I'll be quiet. But <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like. I like this new look Arsenal side. I think when they go forward, they're going to be a lot of fun. There's a tiny part of me that believes they probably should have let Ozil go, and they should have just built around Aaron Ramsey as their number 10, number eight mm. style figure, because Aaron Ramsey is the sort of player who wants to buy into this pressing system, whereas Ozil is the luxury player who doesn't want to.
1: Ozil or... plays in an antiquated position, now that I think about it. I, I, I don't think there's space in this kind of high pressing four three three world for an old school, well, not even old school, but like a 2010, 2011, number 10. Has the game changed that much in the past seven years? To where you can't afford a player like Ozil in your team without having those holes?
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, you only have to look at what Manchester City have done with Kevin De Bruyne and what Tottenham Hotspur have done with Christian Eriksen. Those are two players that, had they been born a decade ago, would have been in this... Luxury. I'm going to lay on fantastic through balls every, you know, 17 of these passes every single game. Whereas now they're going, I'm doing this. I'm also defending. I'm also in this 3-8 role. I'm mm-hmm. also coming in from the left-hand side. I'm all action attacking player. And, you know, I, I really like Mesut Ozil. He's one of the best football players I've ever seen live. He's one of the best football players I've ever seen on TV. He's one of the few football players who can play a pass that I can't spot when I'm watching it on TV because it his is. awareness of a football pitch is greater than mine will ever be. But at the same time, Arsenal maybe should have let him go. That would have been fun, wouldn't it? Um,
1: d- did it? Did anybody watch the Manchester City game?
0: I did. I not. did. I did. I did. Uh, Newcastle were good, competent again, playing the Rafa style of where. So they had like nine thousand men behind the ball, pretty much. And and you know they they played good football. Jordan Yedlin acquitted himself very very well. Joselu is one of my favourite like limited strikers to watch because my God, that boy tries so hard. Yeah, Kyle Walker scored an amazing goal to break deadlock, which again speaks to Manchester City's strength and depth that even if they're regular person aren't going to switch it on, you can rely on a Kyle Walker, a Bernardo Silva, or someone else to chip in. Riyad Mahrez looks like he's learning the pep system really well, which again, man, I'm looking at Alexis Sanchez now at Manchester United. and I keep wondering, he would never have worked at City. You just wouldn't. Blessing in the skies that they missed out on Alex Sanchez and got Riyad Mahrez instead, because Mahrez slots in fact way better.
1: Yeah, I, I actually, I, I didn't watch the game, so I can't even comment on it really. Um, What was the other subject that we were supposed to talk about? FIFA the best. Let's go have hope, like FIFA nominees.
2: Well, <laughs> let's just say that um I am sort of doing some stuff with FIFA, so I have to play nice.
0: Stay oh. scheming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yes, so yes, yes. No, no, no. no. But, but look, I, as nice as I can be, let's, 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 let's be real. People have to make the right choice. And, and the annoying thing with these awards and what pisses me off is when politics gets involved. And it's something that I will fully say publicly, whether I'm working with someone or not, is that make the right decision. Don't make the popularity votes, make the right votes. And Modric is the right winner. And I think Modric really should have a very rare clean sweep. Midfield of the year. European Player of the Year should win the one best player at the World Cup, should win this best award and should win the Ballon d'Or. So he should have a, I think, unprecedented clean sweep of individual awards.
0: This is the funny thing that I find quite entertaining. Um, You see this in the NBA quite often, where essentially players got so annoyed and so tired of LeBron James winning the MVP award that he basically didn't win it one year, despite the fact he was actually the best player in the year. They were just like, I can't be bothered. He's won it too many times. And let's just vote for Derrick Rose, despite the fact LeBron was the best player in 2012. And I think we're getting to that stage now with Ronaldo and Messi. Basically, we're so tired of this duopoly that's lasted a decade that we don't care. We just want anyone. So when hope goes, don't go with popularity and let's vote for the best player. I find it quite funny because if you ask me of these three players, of Cristiano Ronaldo, Mohamed Salah, and Luka Modric, who is the most popular player this year, I'd say it's Modric. I'd say most people in football, I'd say the popular choice in in world football right now is Modric. He is, Modric has the weird like anti-campaign campaign. campaign. So everyone's saying there's no PR campaign behind Luka Modric. He just gets on with it. That's his campaign. (laughs) If your campaign is, I just get on with it. That's better than any other hashtag in world football. Based on, he's won the Champions League for the third time in a row with Real Madrid. And he's taken Croatia to a World Cup final. And he's a generational talent. He's going to go down in the same hushed tones of centre-middle fielders as, for some reason, Nedved is the name that comes to mind. But yeah, Nedved, what? I'll say that. Well, I, I don't know why I said that. I think it's probably because they both have like long hair and they're both Eastern European, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> which which says a lot about me. I go on all about, like, you can't compare black players to other black players, but then I've just compared a Croatian guy to a guy from Chechya. So I should um, my apologies there. Next question. Should we just get into questions now? We've got 10 minutes left.
1: We can. All right, which which is some interesting questions that we can look at. Um, In your opinion, do you think Benzema has leveled up now that he has less playmaking responsibility? Or is he just finishing chances that he was missing last year? As a Madridista who's always backed him, I feel it's the latter.
0: I think it's both. You know, Hopes talked about how Benzema's terrible because Benzema, you know, he goes, when was the last time Benzema took it around three players and had to score? And I always said, Benzema doesn't do that, not because he can't do that, because he doesn't have to do that. And I feel that now. Ronaldo's gone and someone has to shoulder the attacking burden Benzema is one reminding you of how good he is as a pure number nine and two a lot of those shots that he missed last season are going in I've always maintained Benzema was well I've always maintained Benzema is one of the best strikers in Europe I always think Benzema should have been the striker United aimed to buy after Tevez left so rather than go out and buy Berbatov they should have aimed to get Benzema when Benzema was at Lyon Burbatov
1: was an amazing footballer though.
0: <laughs> he was. He was, was he, special, man. He, he was and I think also the key thing about Burbatov was while he may not have been the best fit for Manchester United it was also very important at the time to make sure Manchester City didn't get him. So that's why we spent 30 million on him.
1: He's probably like my favorite Manchester United player, Burbatov. Mm. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's interesting with Benzema. I think the sample size is kind of small for us to be going on this. He's making chances that he didn't last year. Like, let's wait and see. But has he already equaled his goal tally from last year in La Liga? Yep. yep. So <laughs> I just think uh, maybe the the Laptev guy, Julian Laptev, maybe he has some special sauce that he's using that's improved him. Maybe it's Ronaldo leaving. Maybe it's think- just. I maybe just it's maybe it's just Benzema working out. I, I, I like maybe he was motivated by the French team over the summer, whatever it is. I don't know, but uh, I'm 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 happy to see Benzema doing well. does he's not being called Fat Zuma or anything like that. You know, uh, he's scoring his goals, which is good.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's taking a lot more shots because Ronaldo's not there. Also, you know, Ronaldo now hasn't scored in. His Juventus career, yet. so. Uh, but he if, has
1: like men of the matches, though. If you listen to the to the Cristiano
0: fans, um, he, he's <laughs> not he's not scored for Juventus yet. He's, he's also an annoying. He's goal. also he's also having the same problems he had at the start of last season with Real Madrid, where he's taking an incredible amount of shots and it's not working. I mean, basically, yeah, the glitch in his shooting at the start of last season it only really resolved itself in Christmas, like which by that time La Liga was already gone, so he put more or less focus on the Champions League.
1: How many um, goals do you guys think Ronaldo's going to score in Syria this year? Twenty. Still. Eighteen. Eighteen. Because I w- I I don't have a number. I was just curious. I remember I was reading a tweet from somebody who was a, an Inter guy, and I don't I don't know if it was a meme or if it was his thoughts. I've slightly forgotten, but it was like Serie A is like uh, kind of like the University of Strikers in essence. Like you you can do well in like elementary school in the Premier League or high school in La Liga, but once you get to Syria, this is like where strikers are really tested, where they're made, where they're, no. proven, where, where they're proven to be good or not. And obviously it was propaganda from a guy that like, really loves Serie A and Inter Milan specifically. But I thought it was interesting that people have this idea that Ronaldo won't be good in Serie A because Serie A is harder to score goals in.
2: It used to be. In the 90s, it's very hard to break the 30-goal barrier in the 90s. Actually, wait, well, we, I'll, say, I'll, I'll say like 90s to like 2005.
0: How many
1: times has 30 goals been broken?
0: Uh, so once or twice, the like first, he, he the, first, the first time I got broken was Higuain at Napoli, and then since then it's been broken. I mean, or oh, was no, no, bit... Shevchenko?
1: No, no, Shevchenko broke it, man.
0: Uh, I think. So.
1: Uh, hang on, thirty. Like as as Carl researches, I bring that up to say, like, I think a lot of people for years have said the Messi, Ronaldo goals goal tallies in La Liga. Those are kind of inflated because Spain is probably an easier league to get goals in if oh, you're yeah, technically sure. proficient not, as those players. But, but once you go to the Premier League, you're not going to get the 60 goals, 70-goal goal seasons in the same way that you right. might in Spain.
0: Hello, everyone. I've just looked up 30 <laughs> goals in a season. So like I said before, the first person to to break 30 goals in a, in a, a, in a Serie A season, recent, in recent memory, was Higuain, who got 36 at Napoli in 2015-16. Before that, we had to go a decade back to Luca Toni in 05-06, getting it for Florentina. He got 31 before that you have to go back even further to this is how long it is because I have to say to uh 1958 and 59 Jesus Christ oh Lord uh, <laughs> who what's, what's what's the guy's name uh, Antonio you... Valentin Angelio, who got 33 for inter for inter into Milan there are quite a few seasons where players have got 27, twenty seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. It's only three dudes. Yeah, three D- people. Dionatale got twenty-nine in twenty ten. Edin Jekka got twenty nine last season. Icardi and Mobley got twenty nine last season. So it-
1: only three guys in the history of Serie A have scored thirty plus.
0: Oh, there's there's more. There's quite a few thirty goal seasons at the start at the start in like the twenties.
1: In like but, yeah, but those goals are like with no offside rule or like uh, <laughs>
0: whatever <laughs> uh, but if if you want to talk if, about like goalkeepers
1: if, couldn't use their hands or whatever
0: if you want to talk about it was hard to score it you know it definitely all true serial was a hard stomping round to score 30 goals a season if you look at the player you know great players in serial who haven't done it maradona never did it van basten never did it but his never did it Inzaghi never did it shevchenko never did it totti never did was it like, but <laughs> what you want to look at is basically how things have changed in the last decade so since 2010 Di Natale's got 28 Ibra got 28 Cavani got 29 then you had look then you had with 36 and Edin Dzeko got 29 and Riccardo and Mobley got 29 I wouldn't put Riccardo and Mobley as two of the best strikers in world football right now I'd say they're Riccardi Riccardi them, is
2: pretty good man Don't, yeah. don't respect Riccardo put respect, some respect
0: man. in respect. name respect uh, respect man. so <laughs> I, they're, they're good, they're good. I'd say they're in, they're in the, like, the second tier of out-and-out number nines. Um, I spoke to friend of the podcast, Mike Goodman, about this before the season started after Ronaldo they went through, basically about does the stereotype about Serie A holding true still work? And he basically said yes and no. And I think a lot of it is to do with, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, about Alisson pressing. Teams in Serie A do not press in the same way that teams in the Premier League press or the teams in Bundesliga press. So as a striker... You're having to break down a lot more teams that play the low block, which makes it harder for harder for you to unlock. But also as a striker, if you are in a team that does play a pressing system or does play an energetic style of football, it is now getting easier for you to score. Mm. So it is a uh, it's traditionally harder if you're not in a top side. It is getting easier for you if you're playing at a better one. All
1: right, that's a, that's a good place. Since the season has started, there's been a few headbutting incidents. Do you think the rules should have been altered depending on the situation slash force of the headbutt, i.e. Rashford, Richarlison, Hogg, or should it always be a straight red card to headbutt?
0: Always be a straight red card. I said this before after Mane, after Mane got sent off for the incident with Edison. Basically, it's not that is this thing should this thing be a red card or not? The question is, do you like it? And I think, you know, I'm a Manchester United fan. I don't like the fact that Rashford got sent off for that. But at the same time, that's a red card. Um, do you, don't do you
1: not think it's a, a kind of chicken-and-the-egg proposition if Barsley isn't a thug in that situation? guy's <laughs> um, a nasty creature. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to be nice about it. Like if he isn't a master in the dark arts, shall we say, does Rashford get mad in that way? Probably no. not. Like, so, but, so, shouldn't, so shouldn't you punish the instigator? Kind of the same way Mbappe got a red card. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the PSG game, yeah. but uh, he got a tackle late in the game. And he kind of rolled on the floor, but then he got up and he pushed the guy over and he got a straight red. Now, obviously, you're not supposed to push people. You're not supposed to headbutt people. But if you're getting like tackled and chopped and everything, all game, and then this one guy just decides, I'm going to do it one more time. I mean, h- how an- angelic are you supposed to be if people angelic. are trying to like take you out and kick
0: out? a not do something that you know gets you an obvious red card? Come on, man. So the reason, the reason the players lead with their head is because previously it was an instant red card for immediately putting your hands on players, or putting your hands on something. So what you've got now is, you know you can't hit someone, or raise your hands, because it's an immediate red card. So now you have this weird thing where you can't quite lead with your chest because that, that looks very odd. And that's not a great way to intimidate someone. And you can't quite. So the thing that people are like, oh my God, he didn't lean his head. He didn't lean his head. Rashford did lean his head, did lean his head. In like the smallest, tiniest way he was trying to, to not get caught. It's a red card. He apologized on Instagram. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens to Manchester United. Now he's suspended because I imagine that puts Martial to number two in the queue for playing on the left-hand side. So when Alexis plays, you know, goes off on the 60th minute to be substitute. I imagine that gives more time to Martial. And we'll see what Martial does with that.
1: Um, all right. So there's two more questions left here. I guess I'm going to try to get this one quick. If you had to support another Premier League club outside the top six, which club would you support? And why?
0: I wouldn't. If I'm going to support another football team, I'm not going to continue to support a football team in this circus that is the Premier League. I'll go all the way down to non-league and support someone else. I'll probably go off and support Leyton Orient. That's my local.
1: Um, Sconthorpe. <laughs> I don't know. That's an interesting question. I haven't put much thought into it other than just like the past 30 seconds. I kind of like Southampton, although I don't really like the kits.
0: You, you, want, you I, want Mark Hughes to be your manager?
1: And I just like the kind of the ethos of the club, man. That I like that vibe. But, okay. I, again, I haven't put much thought into it. Maybe Brighton, now that I think about it. Uh, all right, last question. Thoughts on the idea of the home nations of England, Scotland, and Wales, and Ireland hosting the 2030 World Cup. It was recently given backing by the president of UEFA. So, basically, how do you feel about the British Isles hosting a World Cup?
0: Great. I I want a World Cup in England in my lifetime and I don't particularly think you know I don't particularly think you need you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be English exceptionless England has enough football stadiums to do it on their own they have enough football stadiums infrastructure and money to do it by themselves but 48 countries okay fine but, right, if the but other like okay if, so if the whole why, why do you guys let, let Wales
1: in your league um this is a question I've always been curious about why do you let Wales in your league
0: I don't know I'm not Google <laughs>
1: That is always curious like do, do whales not have a Premier League or some they sort do. of first So why do Cardiff and Swansea and whomever else? I think those are only two to be fair Like why why are they in the English Premier League? You will
0: made the podcast but Google it and find out
1: that probably will make the podcast <laughs> um, Anything else you guys got quickly? You guys sure, good? Man. All right. Yeah, so that was our podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All the links are in the description. This is the Talking Tactics podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. That's f***. Yeah, there's is two people. <laughs> there's is there's two people. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, this has been the Talking Tactics podcast, sometimes funny.
0: Sometimes serious.
1: Always, always football. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.